We talked for the last two weeks that Jesus came, yes, to seek, save that which was lost, yes, to die, raise again so we could live abundantly. But the main reason Jesus came was to change our way of thinking. We've talked about that for several Sundays now because all of us want change, but Romans says that change happens by having a renewing of your mind. Not a renewing of your heart, not a renewing of your soul, a renewing of your mind, which means a new way of thinking, a different way of looking at things. And if you'll read through Matthew chapter 6, what Jesus is saying here is, These guys pray this way. You've been taught this is the way to pray. But I'm going to tell you a new way. In this manner, this is how I want you to pray. And he goes down this list of teaching us how. Because Jesus knows if he can change our way of thinking, he can change our way of praying. And if he can change our way of praying, he can change our way of living. Can I get an amen from the people that don't normally amen? Y'all didn't do it. I said, can I get an amen from the people that don't normally amen? Amen. Thank y'all. Now we know who you are. Ushers, would you get the tasers ready here in just a moment? (laughs) So we started last week talking about the P's of prayer. The P's. And if you come to the hills, you know I love alliteration. I like like to use that, those words that sound the same, rhyme, whatever, because I think it helps us remember them. I don't know if it does y'all. It helps me remember them. Last week, we started on the very first one, our Father, which means this. Remember, prayer is about thinking a new way. So last week, we said, think parent. When you pray, think through the filter of talking to a parent. Just like you could talk to whoever your favorite parent is, okay? Your mom or your dad or your grandpa. Who is that? Favorite parent. That's who you need to picture talking to them. But not just your dad, because I realize that a lot of you didn't have good relationships with your father, with your mother. You didn't have a a good relationship. And so it's hard for you to picture uh, God in that way. And so we took it to a new level and said, don't just think of your father. Think of your heavenly father. And remember, we hit Matthew 7 and 11 that says, if you who are sinful know how to give good gifts, how much more does your Father in heaven want to give gifts to those who ask? James 1 and 17 says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights, and he does not change like the shifting shadows. Everybody say, good and Perfect. That's the kind of gifts God gives. So if he's not giving you what you prayed for, it must mean it's not good for you. Or that word perfect means whole or mature. So it must mean if God's not giving it to you, that that thing is not ready for you. Oh, I want that man. He's so good looking. But baby, he ain't ready for you. Right? I want that job, but that job is not ready for you. Or it could be the other way around that we're not ready for that. And so God only gives good and perfect gifts. One of, one of my dear friends, and, and we have folks here that were also uh, so ministered by Dr. David Foster. Dr. Foster would always say, God always does the most generous and gracious thing possible. 
Always. I held on to those words when I buried my little brother. I held on to those words. I didn't understand it, but I could hear Dr. Foster in the back of my head saying, God's doing the most generous and gracious thing that is possible because only God knows the future. So while I didn't think that death was a good gift, God knows eternity. God never looks at a moment. He looks at eternity. He doesn't look at you as someone that's going to live for 70 years and die. He looks at you as a living soul that will never die. That's how God sees you. So what may not look good now looks good then. Can I get a amen? I ain't a good preacher, but that was good preaching right there. I'm going to tell you all. Y'all don't think so? Okay. I don't care. Doesn't matter. Think parent. Number two, here we go. I spent all last week on just one. This week we're going to try to hit a lot more, okay? Think parrot and this one. Our Father in heaven, everybody say in heaven, think position. When you pray, think parent, and secondly, think position. When you begin your prayer, you need to look at God the way he really is. We found this, we did a series uh, a few months ago called The Jesus Way, and one of the scriptures we used a lot was Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, which says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, or not your ways or my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Look at your neighbor and say, there is a God, and you're not him. (laughs) We spent a whole series talking about this, trying to change our mindset, trying to change the mindset that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So what Jesus is saying here is when you pray, Focus on the position that God has. Instead of trying to make yourself lower, see him higher. God doesn't want you to get any lower than you already are. He just wants you to see him higher the way he really is. You know, the Bible says, let's come come magnify the Lord with me. Magnify, magnify. You know what that word magnify means? Does it mean to make it bigger? No, it means to see it as it really is. So when you look at that moon and suddenly it gets bigger, it's not getting bigger. You're seeing it the way that it really is. So when he says, come magnify the Lord with me, what he's saying is, I want to change your perspective of who I am and how elevated I am. We do our best to try to bring God down to our level. And I can hear him saying, I've already been there, done that, came to your level Showed you how to do it. Now I'm up seated at the right hand of the Father. And I need you to, instead of getting me there, I need you to come up here. Just a mindset change. Our Father, please come help me. No, our Father in heaven. You begin to see him as more elevated. And so when we talk about that word higher, we hit three E's. Remember, I like alliteration. How many could tell me what they were from like, a whole bunch of series ago. No? Okay, I'm going to do them for you real quick. His ways and thoughts are higher, which means they're more elevated. Elevated. What elevation does, it changes your perspective. Like I can see you now. I see things that y'all don't see. Like some of y'all on Twitter right now. 
And you ain't tweeting about this. You're checking it. I see y'all. See, I see that. I see you young parents that are dozing off because you were up all night with that baby. I see that from here. Elevated position. When Jesus looks at us from his elevated position, he sees things we cannot see. And so that's why we have to say our Father in heaven. I realize that you're in an elevated position. That word elevated also means eternal I mean, that word higher means eternal. That's what heaven is. It's eternal. It never ends. We're focused on here and now. God is focused on then and there. I said, I will, just for you, Bertie. Since you stood up first, we're focused on here and now. God is focused on there and then. And higher than our ways, it does mean elevated and eternal, but it also means extravagant. Everybody say extravagant. I don't know about you, but I like that. I mean, heaven, heaven. Think about heaven. Do you remember what it's like? Streets of gold. What we pave, we pave. It's asphalt in heaven, gold. We fight for it, and they pave streets with it up there. The the gates are one giant ruby. Each gate, not made up of rubies, one ruby. That's a big ruby. And they make gates out of things up there, like a cyclone fence, you know? That's what they use to keep the cows in, like a gate. I don't know if there's cows in heaven. There's horses in heaven. We know that because he's coming back on one. So obviously, all the dog lovers just say, hey, man, cat lovers, you ain't got no chance. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nowhere in the Bible. I'm teasing, y'all. <laughs> I'm joking, Elliot. Where are you, Elliot? I love you. And your cat. And so what I believe, what I believe why Jesus says this, pray this way, our Father, you're a parent. In heaven, you're elevated. You're higher than I am. And I believe Jesus starts the prayer off that way because he wants that to be our focus I want you to know, God, right here at the beginning, before I say anything, I want to establish this. I know who you are, and I know where you are. And that's what I'm going after. And honestly, I don't trust me. I think that's what that real prayer is about. I don't trust that I'm going to do this thing right. I can't see from your perspective. I'm not real sure what I'm doing. How many would just be honest and say you, you feel that way a lot? Like, I don't. I don't know really what I'm doing. It may look like to other people, man, it's going great. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, they talk about the swan that just floats on the water. So beautiful but underneath it, just like, <laughs> just paddling like that. How many think everybody sees this? <laughs> That's all they see. I heard a pastor say that when you get on social media, you're looking at it and everybody looks so smooth and got all the filters on and the right oven. And he says, what happens is we judge our behind the scenes to their highlight reel. So you look at them and they go, oh, look at their babies all dressed up and pretty for church. And yours just have eggs everywhere. And Maybe you combed your hair with an egg. What happened? Why was that happening? You got your sister's shirt on. That's not right. You know, it's just like this thing. It's because what we're seeing is the underneath, but they're this floating on by. And so I think sometimes we have to go, I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. And I want to confess that to you, God. I really want to look at you and see you as my father in heaven. Number three, 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Think, think parent, think position, think praise. Remember, we're changing our way of thinking. Everybody say, your holy name. The word hallowed, that's what that means. It means holy. The word holy means set aside for God's purposes. It means reverent. It has fear attached to it. When you begin to do an in-depth study on the name of God, first of all, it's hard to find. To trace it back to the name of God. As a matter of fact, in Jewish culture, they were not allowed to pronounce the name of God. They were not allowed to write the name of God in certain places. Let me show you. When you take it back to the original Hebrew, this is the word that pops up for the name of God. And now you know why they couldn't pronounce it. Like Even if you would have wanted to, how in the world? What's amazing is the great theologians say that when you say it correctly, as a matter of fact, to this day, Nobody can tell you how it's said. It was lost in translation. It was lost. Somewhere along the way, it didn't get passed down. And so no one really knows how to pronounce this. But the great educators say it sounds more like a breath than a word. I don't know about you, but I love that. (sighs) That's what it sounds like when you say it the correct way. And you notice this, this is a little side point. Take this in your notes, you can study it. Remember a guy named Abram? And God said, I'm going to change your name. What did he add to Abram's name? (sighs) Abraham. Her name was Sarai. What did he change it to? Sarah. See, when God gets in your life, he wants to change your identity. That was a B3 organ right there for those who do not know what that was. That was when I was raised in Mississippi. If I'd have said that then, it'd be, wow! Y'all know about that. I'm going to teach y'all about that, though. We're going to get a honking B3 organ sitting right there just one Sunday. And y'all going to know when you walk in, oh, Jesus. Got to get real. So let me read a couple things to you. The Jewish people were not allowed to pronounce this name aloud or even sub-vocalize it. In other words, they couldn't even say it in their mind because it was so reverent. They couldn't read aloud a transliteration of it, like how it's been transferred to Yahweh, which was done because of a German translator that changed it to Yahweh. And you can study all that. It's all on the Internet. You can find it and look it up. But instead, they would have to substitute it with a different term, such as this one. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because I just felt like I was coughing up stuff when I did. I don't know, but if you're going to speak Jewish, you just need a good old-fashioned cold is what I found out, just all the time. All right, on the count of three, I want you to take your best shot at that one. Ready? One, two, three. Bless you. Which mean this, the Holy One, or blessed be He. So instead of saying the word for God, they would have to 
find a word that would mean the Holy One or blessed be He. Another one that you'll probably recognize is this one, Adonai, which means the Lord. You couldn't say his name, but you could find another, like a, I hate to call it a nickname, that doesn't sound right, but another word that you would use, and this one was used a lot, the Lord. And then Hashim, which means the name. That's all they would say, is just the name. It was so holy that they wouldn't say it. Holy, hallowed be thy name. It was so holy that when the scribe, and if you want to study something crazy, study the scribes. Scribes were the lawyers of those days, the authors of those days, the doctors of those days. They were the most educated and affluent people of their time. And they spent all of their time writing the word of God. They would take one manuscript, and it had to be used by a certain recipe of ink. That's they had this certain recipe of ink. Only the best paper could be used. And every mark was just so detailed. As a matter of fact, if one letter touched another letter, they would trash the whole thing. When they were done writing two or three pages, it would be looked at. If there was one letter missing, it would be trashed and thrown away. It would be burned. That's powerful. When the scribes, you're talking about hours and hours of this, hours. And then all of a sudden, the scribe would come to that first word. Bring it back up, the Y one. Yeah. They would come to that word, they would get up from their stool, they would go and meticulously wash the pen and bathe themselves completely. Come back, sit down, write the word. Every time, and this word is mentioned over 6,800 times in the Bible. 6,800 times they would wash themselves, cleanse themselves before they would even write the word. And I was convicted as I studied this week. How I just say his name. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Just all the time. Just We watch movies where they just say his name all the time. We use it all the time. Listen, I'm not being, I don't want to be legalistic here. I don't want to be, because then you start going, what is gosh? And oh, my goodness, you start going down the line. And I think that's all just stuff that, I think it's more about the attitude. It's not even about the word. It's the attitude that we would have such a lack of reverence for him and his name that we would just throw his name out there. Or what about this, just flippant prayers, just a little prayer. I'm just going to throw, about, throw it out. I'm, I'm king of this, sitting down at the table and praying a funny prayer. I, I do that all the time. Doesn't mean I won't do it anymore. But it's got me thinking, now what am I really saying when I'm thanking God for this that he's laid on the table when there are people that have nothing? Gets quiet right now, doesn't it? That word vain, when he says, you know, it's one of the commandments. What's one of the commandments? Can somebody tell me? Just (laughs) any of them? No, the one I just referred to, that one. Do not take the name of the Lord... (laughs) In vain. Some of y'all were quoting some and looking at people. I saw that. (laughs) Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Well, automatically people start using that as don't say certain words. Don't use certain curse words. Don't do this. Don't swear by this. Don't do this. And there may be some derivatives of all that. But when you really look at that word vain, it means emptiness. 
The original Hebrew word means emptiness. So what he's saying is, don't say God's name just empty. Because when you look at the glory, I say the glory of God, that word glory means heavy. It means weighty. It means it's, it's, it's heavy. My brother used to say, we need a heavy Jesus is what we need. We need a heavy Jesus. Just this, this thing on us. And yet we just walk around and we say things and talk things and, and we say his name in vain so often because there's nothing substantial to it. But if we can backtrack and change our way of thinking and say, our Father who's in heaven Your name is holy. And I'm not going to pray a prayer here that would make it anything but. It's the way of thinking that is happening. In other words, what you're saying is, and write this down, when you say that, you're saying, you are holy, your name is holy, and this conversation is holy. I prayed this prayer today that God would allow a spirit of reverence come upon us. Just reverent for the house of God. Look at me. That word reverent has the word fear attached, but not fear is and God's going to get you because you messed up. No, it's fearful of, man, I respect him. I respect what he does. It's like what you do when that, now y'all know how it is, that, that teacher that taught you in third grade. You can see her now, and you still, yes, ma'am, how you doing? Right? Coach Maddox walk in. I see the players. They're like, okay, well, Coach Maddox is here. Now we got to get. When your parents walk in, when on and on, you can go, when the police officer, whatever it is, it's this, this reverence that goes, you're not afraid they're going to tackle you or make you guys run laps. No, it's just this thing of, man, I'm going to, this is a place of reverence here. This is a God of reverence. Oh, that we could think of him as holy and that his place is as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think parent, think position, think praise, and this one today is think permission. If I say permission, let me explain something to you about this. This is how incredible God is. And this may mess with your theology a little bit, and that's okay. It messed with mine a little bit. When you understand that God many times allows us to give him permission. All right, so let me take you back. God creates the earth, and who does he give it to? Who? Adam and Eve. This is yours. What does he say to them? Take dominion. Subdue it. Have authority. It's yours. Have a blast. Just enjoy it. But this is yours. When Adam and Eve fell, they took that authority and they handed it over to who? Satan. The Bible calls him the God of this world. The God of this world. That's what the Bible calls him. God of this world. Hands it over to him. And so for years, man was under the authority of the evil one. That's why we think ways we think. That's why he controls. Then Jesus comes, inform us of a servant. Everybody say a servant. Why? Underneath that authority. Now, this is going to mess with, it messed with my, it did mess with me bad. Because I just thought Jesus came out performing miracles. Right? Just popped out of his mama's belly. All right, let's raise the dead. 
doesn't do that. He comes underneath the authority. Matter of fact, when he would heal people, what would he say? Shh, don't tell anybody. Don't go tell them. Shh, keep it down. Why? Because I'm, I'm sneaking in underneath this thing. Keep it quiet. You never hear him say anything about himself. He's always my father, my father, my father, my father. When Satan comes to him and tempts him, first of all, how do you tempt somebody with something they already have? And what did Satan tempt Jesus with? The kingdoms of the world. I'm going to give this to you. If Jesus already had all that authority, he just said, shut up. I already got him. No. He used the word on him. He talked about his father. He continually went back. You never hear him talk about his own authority until after his death, burial, and resurrection. And Philippians says, because he became as a man, and he now has, has gone through all that he went through, therefore God has given him a name that is above every name. Only after his death, burial, and resurrection do you hear Jesus say, Hey, y'all, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. So God gives man authority. Man hands it back over to Satan. God says, I got to do this again. Comes, robes himself as a man, comes back, takes that authority back, and then he looks at his disciples and says, I'm now putting my name on you. I want you to go, therefore, in all the world, preaching, teaching, baptizing. That was a whole series right there. The authority that you and I have. We were not a people, and now we're a people. And so, I believe with all of my heart that God, there, there, and you can, you can look it up. There are three kingdoms that are mentioned throughout the Bible. There's the kingdom of God, there's the kingdom of man, and the kingdom of the world, and the kingdom of heaven. Where is the kingdom of heaven? Heaven, there you go. Where's the kingdom of this world? Where's the kingdom of God? Wherever God is, right? That's his. And so a kingdom and another kingdom have different cultures and laws, you know? Like if suddenly you want to go do business in China, it ain't going to be easy. you got to think through it. There's laws and regulations and customs. So we have these different laws, and we operate in one kingdom culture. Heaven operates in another kingdom culture. And so what God says is, I want to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And the only way I can do that is for someone that is in the earth to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. There is this agreement that suddenly happens where authority takes place. God is a gentleman. Listen, God can do whatever he wants to do. I mean, he can do whatever he wants to, but he is a gentleman, and he understands he created us with human will. Human will. And he says to us, you want me to do something in your life? You're going to have to say yes. You ever wondered why you didn't, weren't just born saved? Why weren't you just born saved? Because he's waiting on you to say to him, I want you to come into my heart. You know how powerful that is, the human will? Do you know how powerful the human will is that people will saw their own leg off to escape a mountain? Think about that. People eat things you never would eat just to survive. How many know if you want to do something, you're going to do it, right? The human will is so strong. And so the reason that heaven rejoices when a sinner comes to God is because it's all these years of no, 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 me, 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 mine, mine, mine. And then suddenly it's like, yes, Lord. 
thy kingdom come. The most powerful force on earth besides God is the human will. And so when it comes to a screeching halt and says, not my will, but thine be done, heaven goes, whoa. Think about this. All of heaven. Remember the angel shows up and says, Mary, God wants to use your body. And by the way, he's going to ruin your reputation when he does it. Because now instead of being the beautiful little girl that's so innocent, now they're going to call you the girl that got pregnant before she was married. And then you're going to tell everybody that an angel did it, and they're going to say, not only is she bad, she's crazy. I'm going to ruin your reputation. How many know that God will ruin your reputation sometimes, right? He'll mess you up. I'm going to ruin your reputation. I ain't talking about y'all ruin your reputation, all right? Or me. I'm talking about God. There's a difference. I'm going to ruin your reputation. Listen, can you imagine that moment when the angel says, Mary, he wants to use you, sweetie. He wants to use you. And all of heaven waited on the answer of a teenage girl. Can you imagine the angels that have been with him since the beginning that are going, oh, God, what's she going to say? God, what's she going to say? And then all of a sudden she says, be it unto me according to you. Yeah! Trumpet. Gabriel just going crazy, dancing. That's what happens every Sunday in this place. When 13 people raised their hand, five people raised their hand. When at people's homes throughout this week, people were saying, I accept Jesus into my heart. What you're saying is, not my will, but your will be done. Thy kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And suddenly when you give him that permission... Everything changes. Your prayers change. The way you think about God change. What prayer really is, is coming in agreement with the will of heaven. How many want to pray those kind of prayers today? Anybody receive this word this morning? Do you receive it today? I want you to close your eyes.